cool. Let me pull up those bones. See what pull, we're working with. Pull up those bones. Do other shows call their show notes bones, or is that a thing I started? Because I, I know I'm the one who started that on this show, but I don't mm-hmm. know if I got it from somewhere or if it was just like I was really high and I was like, let's put some bones together. Rattle some bones <laughs> from a show. <laughs> you start with the little bones and then you add chicken meat and then you uh add chicken skin and then you got a rotisserie chicken made in reverse <laughs> we got like we we'd like to think of this podcast as like a nice soup stock if you really want to put the time and care in that it requires to make high quality mm-hmm. stock it's a two-day affair yeah <laughs> you got to get all those bones ready yeah i don't think i hear other people call them bones i hear people call them like show show notes often or mm-hmm. like episode notes maybe well i think maybe they also put more items and like words in their show notes because like notes implies that you have taken notes what i do to put show bones together is i put a link in and then sometimes i write a headline for the link (laughs) and that's about all giving the secrets away john if people (laughs) find this out they'll just make their own podcast with their friends and listen to that this is all scripted. I have a 30-page Google Doc that we wrote up collaboratively for the past three days, and I'm reading off of it right now. Yeah, we hired a prompt expert to ask ChatGPT to write show notes for the show, like a script. <laughs> and then we hired, you know, 95 different Fiverr freelancers to rewrite it so that it would actually be uh, understandable. It would actually... I would, I'd be curious what you would get if you just gave ChatGPT like a hundred of our docs that we use for episodes and then said, <laughs> make us a version of this. Because I feel like it would probably be like a lot of nonsense and it would just be interesting like what the nonsense... I, I feel like... I remember in the like 2010s, you could do this kind of uh, like language learning model and people were like this is funny because it's saying stupid stuff that doesn't quite make sense but you can see how it's assembling sentences together kind of and then now in the 2020s everyone is like oh yeah it just speaks it speaks the gospel truth and you have to believe everything it says well it's so funny because it's like i i really feel like we've lost the gist of what these um these things are supposed to be because I I heard an Mm -hmm. anecdote. It was on a podcast. I don't remember which one about somebody in the very early days of computing who put together an algorithm that was meant to simulate a human being on the other side of Mm -hmm. the, the interface. I don't know if it was actually a computer or not, but the, whatever interface they were using. And the trick was they had it be kind of like a psychoanalytic type of other person. So it mostly asked open-ended questions and that allowed Mm. them to get away with just using an algorithm to like identify nouns and then ask questions about the nouns more or less. And Mm, when they implemented it, people wanted to just talk to it like all the time. And like they genuinely believed there was somebody on the other line, on the other (laughs) end of the line. And the guy who made it was like horrified. He was like, this should not shut it down. You know, (laughs) (laughs) It kind of reminds me, I don't remember what it's called, but there's like a a thing that it's basically like a horoscope where it's just like this uh, like one paragraph, like personality summary that like almost anyone can read it and be like, oh, hey, this is about me. But like a lot of people will read it and be like, oh, how'd they know so much about me? Um, I, I feel like what you're describing is kind of like that, where it's like just the fact that you'll say a noun and it's like, what do you think about this? Or like, why do you think you did that? And it's like, if if you keep things vague enough, like vague, but where you can fill in the gaps yourself, then people will pretty easily ascribe meaning to it. I mean, we're talking about some apes who uh, will look at two dots in a line and be like, 
hey, that's a human face just like I have smiling. Right. <laughs> well, it's, it's also funny because it's like people talk a lot about the Turing test. And I think they assume that the test is for the computer to see if it mm-hmm. can pass as a human. But it's also a test for the human <laughs> to say, can you identify not a human? And it turns out as we kind of like wade into the world of like shitty fucking neural networks and large language models and all that shit that um, people are actually very reliant on like sense perception for determining what is a person and analytically Mm. on the internet are very bad (laughs) at at not recognizing when something is fake or a form letter or not real. I mean, think of all the old people who've gotten like, you know, the fucking Nigerian prince email and like to the point where it's become a running joke on TV where they're like, Nana, no don't send any money but it's like you know that's happening writ large on a grand scale because eventually technological development is going to be moving so fast and or just be so unhinged that like by the time like if you learn a technology when you're 16 by the time you're 18 you will no longer have a functional like knowledge of it because it will just have slipped out of your (laughs) fingers you will be functionally like rendered 85 years old in the span of 16 months yeah yeah, imagine being somebody who's like a teenager or like early 20s and like got into cryptocurrency or like NFTs or whatever. And then it's like, what part of that is not a bot or a scam or something? It feels like you just you literally can just write any tweet that mentions NFTs or crypto or whatever. There's even scams about scams where if you say you got scammed, someone is like, oh, you should go follow this person on Instagram. He helped me get my money back after I got scammed. <laughs> like bots will reply that shit, just anything. There's always some kind of like weird algorithm someone programmed to try to like skim a little money off of it. Absolutely. Well, speaking of skimming a little money off of a weird algorithm, welcome to Beep Beep Lettuce, everybody, your favorite internet commentary (laughs) podcast. I have some internet commentary. Uh, Quite a few people have remarked on this phenomenon happening on Jordan Peterson's timeline where he keeps posting jokers. Have you seen this? Have you been seeing this? uh, I saw one. Yeah, it was like he posted a girl joker or maybe mm-hmm. harley quinn or something and uh, no it's a, it's a sexy lady joker yeah. okay oh yeah it's like the, it's the jo- joker maybe the lady gaga joker from the new joker movie yet to be released oh. possibly i'm not sure um interesting yeah and then some kind of like weird baby talk that like no one understood or something mm-hmm. oh wow if you go to his page and look at his images it's like mostly jokers and then it's also that the the classic like 2020 like i don't even what would you call that image the 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 screen grab of a, of a, a woman that everyone is like, this is a triggered feminist. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. 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 That. And he's like, how about fear of the mad mob? <laughs> yeah. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And like also his pinned tweet now, Oh wait, he changed it. <laughs> I looked at his pinned tweet today and I was like, man, his pinned tweet is from yesterday. How often does this guy change his pinned tweet? And then now I'm looking <laughs> at his page and his pinned tweet is now from five hours ago. So like this guy posts so <laughs> wow. much that he's just like, this is tweet of the day <laughs> and he pins it <laughs> and then he keeps tweeting and he wakes up tomorrow and he's like, now, which of my tweets was good enough to go on the chalkboard? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he just, yeah, it's like he's, he's, he's checking through the files from yesterday and is like, which one do I, uh, do I show off to the class? This is, he has a lot of Joker images, say, I guess more likely he's just Googling Joker each time and then like putting one up. Mm hmm. I don't know if he can save stuff on his computer very easily. I bet he's doing this all from his phone. I really don't think that guys like Jordan Peterson 
uh, browse Twitter on their computers. I think they're like, they have this mentality where they're like, my computer is where I keep my case files. I can't, I, <laughs> if I log on to any foreign applications, the university uh, ethics board will have my head. Although I think actually his big string of tweets is because he's in like a protracted battle with his university's ethics board or maybe some other regulatory body. I don't know. I'm never going to follow University of Toronto interior politics. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. Um, I don't know why he's on the Joker train. And it's it's like most of them are just to be like making fun of something. Like he, this is just his way of being like every day. New York Times outdoes itself, and it's just the Joker running. Like, or it's some other. It's just like his standard. Like, look at how bad wokeness is getting now. And then he just the Joker <laughs> is meant to illustrate his mental state about it, which is like weird way to describe yourself. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, I guess that's what happens to your brain when all you eat is raw meat day in and day out um, <laughs> and, and you yeah. chase it with benzos. But uh, speaking of diets that might be consumed by Canadians, apparently the Chinese internet has been buzzing with the hot new meme. And I love it when we get memes from Chinese internet because I keep mm -hmm. forgetting that they have a whole different internet that isn't connected to ours, which is cool. I bet there's yeah, cool yeah, shit awesome. there. So uh, this is people in China mimicking how supposedly Europeans take their lunch, which uh -huh. uh, makes a lot of sense because looking at these photos, I'm like, this is way better than Americans eat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they have, I, I did see this on the internet a couple days ago. It's, uh, they run, it's like hashtag white people food or mm -hmm. they'll title a post white people food. And it's meant to be like a sort of sad, pathetic type of lunch that they associate with like what white people pack in their lunch. <laughs> yeah. Like, Oh no, I'm so depressed. I'm having a rough week. I guess I'll just eat potato salad and a lovingly put together sandwich with several fresh <laughs> tomatoes and a red bell pepper. Like I posted about this on Twitter and somebody replied, they were like pulling a whole bell pepper and tomato out of my very American lunchbox. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think my favorite one I saw was like a carrot, like not a baby carrot, but a whole, out of the ground carrot with like a piece of cheese wrapped around it. And maybe I think someone had like a piece of bread with some mayo and then like a bunch of like folded <laughs> over pieces of ham or something. I want to see, I want to see a Chinese citizen who thinks that, uh, like eating a, a ham and cheese sandwich on wheat bread with some fresh vegetables is like, is like really roughing it. I want to see them eat a fucking seven 11 roller dog. I want to see <laughs> what it's like. I want to see like, Hey, Bay Pang's eye tornado a beer and then eat like three torpedoes off of the the speedway rollers and just like guaranteed he cannot keep that in his stomach that's coming up <laughs> yeah it's like do they even know how bad white people meals really gets um <laughs> it's this article says um if this is from business insider that uh mm -hmm. they aren't necessarily knocking western cuisine rather the term takes aim at the world of raw salads boiled eggs chicken breasts sliced ham and the occasional <laughs> piece of fruit that might sound like a simple, healthy lunch in another part of the world, but to the average Weibo user, it's absolute misery. Yeah, that's so funny because apparently like a few of the articles that I saw about it um, and I was reading some before like, you know, a mainstream publication like Business Insider actually picked it up. So it was like New York Post and shit. Yeah. Um, but they were saying like the people who are doing it kind of think it's cute. Like it's not supposed to be totally like demeaning, but it does come from a culture where... And, you know, this is a, this is something I read in several shady English language publications. So who knows how true it is, <laughs> but they're like in China, it's really, really important to like eat good, hot, 
freshly or home prepared food. Like that's taken mm-hmm. very seriously. And I'm just like, yeah, I don't know. It, I don't know how true that is, but in the United States, I know that the exact opposite is true. Like if somebody <laughs> in the office is like, I'm going to Starbucks, multiple people will ask for like a frappuccino and a tomato and basil panini and like an iced lemon pound cake. And don't get me wrong. Those things mm-hmm. are all good, but like that is how you slowly murder yourself. That's how you, yeah. that's how you play the, <laughs> the long game for poison. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think what I, from what I know about Chinese cuisine, uh, cooking vegetables is a very like deeply ingrained part of how they're, uh, how they want to eat them. I, I, mm-hmm. I think someone told me it comes from like, uh, food safety possibly that it was just sort of sure. like they, they associate like cooking the vegetables with helping to make them like more safe. Um, and it sort of just became ingrained as like, that's the way they mostly like to eat vegetables. Cause if you think about a Chinese restaurant in, in America, it's like, even if it's steamed vegetable, there's almost never just like a raw piece of anything. You know, I had never thought about that, but that's totally true. I mean, once in a while, they like steam you'll stuff, get... they boil stuff, they saute stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's got, well, it makes sense. It's like, you know, people talk about how uh, pork is considered uh, not good to eat in like two out of three of the big Abrahamic religions. And it's mm-hmm. like, that's probably just like an old timey food safety standard where like at some point somebody involved with religion was like, hey, you should probably tell people not to eat pork because I notice when people eat pork, they get sick a lot. And, you know, mm-hmm. Muhammad or, you know, whoever was helping put the Torah together was just like, done and done. We love it. Great, great <laughs> suggestion. <laughs> 10 out of 10. <laughs> yeah, no pork. <laughs> uh, man, some of these, yeah, like the, I don't know if you saw this one from ratty.co. I don't really know what this website is, but it's like, a nice, it looks like a ham sandwich on wheat bread cut in half and then mm-hmm. two whole tomatoes and a half of a whole cucumber, um, yeah. which I guess like that looks pretty good. It, it kind of is. I think it's making sense if I like if to them any lunch where you're just eating like anything raw, like fruit or ve- like a raw vegetable is weird. Mm-hmm. So they're like, they're probably just tossing whole tomatoes in there, tossing in a whole bell pepper, like just mixing it all. Like it, it's all equally odd to them. But it's, to, like, it's bring, kind of- bring like raw vegetables. It's kind of funny because like it, the way that they've uh, like their interpretation of what white people and I think it's mostly Europeans, but what white people mm-hmm. broadly eat uh, is really funny to me because as somebody with Dutch brain, like to me, the pinnacle of food is like nice, fresh meat, nice, fresh cheese, nice, fresh bread. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, you put half dozen fresh vegetables in there. <laughs> You're good. Like that's to me, it's like I could eat a frickandel every day for lunch. So the idea of like actually eating three or four tomatoes, like I might put salt all over them because I'm a maniac, but like salt's good on everything. Yeah. That to me, that's like, wow, I'm going to have good digestion this week. You did a good, your gut will thank you, John. And meanwhile, people on Weibo are just like, look at me. (laughs) I'm a stupid little Dutch person (laughs) who can't cook. Uh, I have not eaten a dumpling in weeks. I'm eating a raw vegetable like a peasant. <laughs> Very funny. Well, and it, it also speaks volumes that like, you know, because like times are changing in China. So I, I imagine that like young people, especially in their office culture, are just like experimenting with doing a lot of different things because it's got to be odd. They're, mm-hmm. you know, they're re- they've come up in the world in a huge way over the last half a century. Yeah. Just unbelievable. And so you've got to think like, America during the post-war boom, but like 
multiplied by a hundred in a country that is way bigger <laughs> population wise. Like it's it's astounding. Yeah, it's it's uh it's it's completely it, it's really impossible to fathom. Yeah, because it like like you said, America post war boom. But if you also imagine like America with like a thousands more year long history and then mm-hmm. a very recent like cultural revolution that followed a, an actual revolution. So like a, a country with a huge history, but like a very complicated understanding of it and an understanding that like you just recently like took a step into the future as like a civilization. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's hard to imagine. It's weird to, to, I imagine to, I've never experienced this, but to live in a society that is like gaining traction in the world, like China is fast Mm -hmm. becoming the dominant power in at least the entire Eastern hemisphere. And I think most of what would be considered the global South. So, uh, I mean, they're, they're kind of like the center of the world right now in a, in Mm -hmm. a very real and material sense. And it's got to just be like, you must, as, as a Chinese citizen, I have to imagine you must either feel like a total space cadet, like everything has just happened so much, but the good version, or Mm -hmm. maybe it just feels totally normal to you. Like it felt normal to my grand, well, my grandparents lived through the depression. My dad, when he was growing up in the like late seventies and everything was a nickel and, uh, you could find a nickel on the ground (laughs) or an old man would give you one to spit shine his tractor tires. Like, (laughs) (laughs) uh, yeah. Yeah. I think, I think, I think probably it's to some extent like that. It, um, it just kind of feels like a lot of stuff revolves around your country and you're like, well, it makes sense that it does, especially when it's a country that's so big because like America is, that was definitely like a similar factor is that it's like, you could have like all of these different like cultural groups and ways of life and ethnicities all Mm -hmm. rolled into one like quote unquote country because you have 50 states and Canada to the North is like really not that different. There's like barely a culture shock of like going up. It's the same kind of country. It's just, they have a, they have a border. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, just like a whole continent almost of like your way of life and then like everything revolves around it. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's like definitely in the 21st century, a lot of people would want you to think that that's still how America operates. But I definitely started to feel like cope at this point, mm-hmm. like the idea that other countries like really have much like respect for us or patience or interest in like our view of the world and like care what we think. Sure. Well, I mean, like imagine if you were like running from conflict somewhere in the world right now, like if you were South Sudanese or if you had to flee a different conflict that would the CIA instigated in Latin America Mm -hmm. or all over Africa or the Middle East, like, would you rather move to the United States where you have like basically centuries of stories of like continuous and barely alleviated at any time mistreatment of immigrants, mistreatment of anybody Mm -hmm. who's not white, mistreatment of anybody who's not Christian? Or would you rather move to China, which is like giving fucking (laughs) interest-free loans to countries around the world and just like pro bono building hospitals just when they show up for like a state visit? Like... It's such a fucking simple decision. And I you gotta imagine like China really reaping the benefits of that multiculturalism. Like I know people talk about mm-hmm. Chinese society, and this is probably just a racist thing white people say, but they talk about Chinese society being like very strict and and very ordered and having like a lot of systems of like specific rules, but like you know, even to whatever degree that might be true, you gotta imagine that their perspective on the world like the horizon that they can see out to because of all the connections they've made just must absolutely dwarf anything we have here in the West. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's like, I feel like that kind of criticism doesn't really hold water either because it's like you have, like, I feel like Japan is pretty inarguably like more like that or like South Korea mm-hmm. where it's like they have like the repression of like capitalist power structures and also like less of a less of a tradition or like a an outlet to even like criticize those kind of structures and sure i don't know i, I think it's just like people from the from whatever you want to call the west um if they look at a country and there's like social rules or guidelines or unwritten like things you have to follow or whatever that they are not familiar with they're like man that's so crazy that they have all those unwritten rules <laughs> like not being completely blind to the unwritten rules of their own culture and like right. the sort of limitations of their own horizons and lives. Yeah, absolutely. Real Dunning-Krieger hours. Well, as long as we're talking about (laughs) our own misunderstandings of countries around the world, let's find out what the American conservative thinks of Russia right now. Oh, man. This one seems very fun to read because I did not even get super far into it. And I was like, wow, the level of uh, ahistorical, like, dunce stupidity of this one and like the on its face absurd like lines of thought and reasoning were uh, really astounding like and i was reading something called the american conservative so it might as well be called like the dumbass dipshits newspaper yeah this is low even for um you know professor moron's uh weekly idiot rag uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. but, uh, yeah, I just wanted to talk about this cause there's this current going on where like a lot of conservatives are starting to be like, actually we should just give Putin whatever he wants. And actually Russia is kind of good. I'm not saying that Russia is good, but actually Russia is kind of good. And like a lot of people have on the left have been confused about the superficial similarity between the principled leftist position of Russia and well, Putin leading Russia and the way he's been doing it is bad, mm-hmm. but NATO started this shit and they're confusing. They're like, wow, that's superficially similar to what the conservatives were saying. So let's hear what the conservatives are saying, which I'm pretty sure will dispel <laughs> that notion. I'm just going to read a few different uh, excerpts that I think are relevant. So he opens by saying, I have something I want to tell you, though I am not sure how to say it. Maybe a wiser <laughs> man would keep quiet. But I've tried that, and it feels more like cowardice than wisdom. So my instinct is to borrow a page from Peter Hitchens' book and say up front that no matter how artfully I argue my point, no matter how carefully I qualify my thesis, most readers will deliberately choose to misunderstand me. (laughs) (laughs) Man, I love... That is like... I think that is one of the underpinning like core tenets of this kind of like conservative thinking or i don't even know what it's like it feels unfair to even call it thinking because it's really just like a weird pretzel that you bend yourself into to Mm -hmm. justify your ideology but it's like you you start off by saying like i'm sure the woke mob will get triggered by this one completely misunderstand me (laughs) so like it's just a built-in way of, of people like who criticize your argument you can be like no 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 you're criticizing a different argument that i didn't make i actually made a better one that made more sense And of course, the fact that they're never able to explain their real argument doesn't seem to bother them or, uh, you know, keep them from writing the stupid shit that they say. Because it just, it's, they they know from the start that somebody smarter than them can look at it and be like, hey, you're wrong for these reasons. And I don't think what you're saying actually tracks even by your own internal logic. And the response is always like, it's actually you who's too dumb to understand what I'm saying. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Prefacing my incoherent babbling with a, a, a little phrase that just goes like, by the way, if you don't understand any of the following, 
it's a skill issue. And then you just start going like, in the time of chimpanzees, I was a monkey. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's the equivalent of like old rap songs that would just say like no homo at the beginning or like people saying no homo about stuff. But it's like, you can just say no homo and then what you're saying doesn't sound gay because you declared it or something. Well, and also no homo is just a way for like straight guys to admit to the room that they thought of something gay and then they got scared that they had a thought, which is really funny. (laughs) That's such a funny way to be insecure about your own mind. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, But anyway, so tell me more about this, this guy. he, He, he wants to tell you quote, why Western elites hate Russia. And then he he does some equivocating about how, like, I'm not defending Russia. This isn't meant to balance out the innocent dead. That can't be done. I'm not trying to excuse Putin. Blah, 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 blah. Okay. Uh, Then we get another, like, you know how at the beginning of the article, they'll put like a big letter for the first word. Mm -hmm. He does this again after the ad break. He says, Big B, Bart Simpson once said, Libya is a land of contrasts. (laughs) (laughs) Why would you quote that in your article? The whole point of that is that it's fucking a, it's a stupid nonsense thing to say. Not nonsense. It's just like it's a it's a it's a pat like tautology to describe yeah. a, a country. <laughs> it's something that you can literally say about any country because any country has contrasts. If it didn't have a dynamic political mm-hmm. system, I don't really understand how it could constitute being a nation. But um, yeah, <laughs> he goes on to say, the same is true of Russia. On the one hand, the Orthodox Church has built 30,000 churches in the last 10 years. On the other, Russia's mm-hmm. abortion rate in 2017 was 480 per 1,000 live births. For comparison, it's only 200 per 1,000 here in the United States. So, is this rank hypocrisy? <laughs> I love how like this is I don't know starts. in what way. <laughs> yeah, like l- <laughs> let's talk about the Ukrainian war. Um actually the Russian Orthodox Church builds a lot of churches, but they don't stop a lot of abortions. Is Putin good? <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck is this guy talking about? I mean abortion is a lot less legal in the United States than it is in, in Russia. Assuming, I don't know how legal it is in Russia, but I'm assuming it's like, because they don't have a a fucking stupid federalist system where each state has its own (laughs) laws. Uh, I assume it's just legal in the entire country and not like patchwork, like de facto illegal the way it was before they overturned Roe. And then now just like fully illegal in many states. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, he he goes on to try and like continue to to compare like the situation where he says somehow Americans have already forgotten that Russians lived under a regime of brutal state atheism for the better part of a century, <laughs> ending in the mid eighties. Also, no, the USSR didn't fall till ninety one, so I'm not sure what weird liberal reform he's talking about there. <laughs> oh yeah. And then he goes on and he says, Friar Michael Hill observes that, quote, by even conservative reports, more than 12 million Orthodox Christians were killed for their faith under the Soviets. In 1937 (laughs) alone, 85,300 Orthodox clergy were shot. (laughs) What are you talking about? It turns out you can just say any numbers you want during a statistical analysis. (laughs) I would love to see, oh man, the the link to Friar Mike Hill just goes to his website, the Hedgehog Review. Uh, (laughs) I would love to see, like, the follow through the source on that because it's like, I would give it pretty good odds, like 70% that is just a number from the Gulag Archipelago. Mm -hmm. Like, where else do people get these numbers? That's the main source for it. It's just like regurgitating the numbers from that book over and over. Well, and And also uh, like, 
yeah, I mean, <laughs> who knows how many of those people were like shot for crimes against communism or like trying to exploit people or something. And they're like, well, they were also Christian. So this counts as <laughs> Christian oppression. Yeah. They were probably fucking neo-Nazis or regular Nazis in, in 1937. Mm-hmm. Like it's perfectly likely that they were just regular roving bands of fascists who happened to be Orthodox almost yeah, all, like all of them. It's, it's such a funny retroactive thing to be like all those fascists, the red army killed. Those were actually not fascists. They were faithful Orthodox. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Uh, here we go. We got persecution of Christians in the Soviet Union, a uh, Wikipedia article. Okay. According to some sources, the total number of Christian victims under the Soviet regime has been estimated, estimated to range around 12 to 20 million. Okay. <laughs> what is this sort? Uh, James Nelson, psychology, religion, and spirituality. I don't know what that is. And... Adrian uh, Christian martyrdom. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Todd Johnson, Christian martyrdom, a global demographic assessment. I'm sorry for that. Todd Johnson, the most made up <laughs> name in the history of the world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So who knows? And also like even this Wikipedia article is just like the number of people who died and were Christian, which is like pretty tenuous. Like a lot of people are Christian in the world. That doesn't mean that it's like a specific persecution of Christians. Mm hmm. Well, he's his his whole idea in the article is that Russia is de-Christianized, right? Like it's been state atheized and all of that stuff. Uh-huh. But then his optimism, so he, he this is deeper in the article, but he says, in this sense, there really are two Russias. One, the de-Christianized, and two, the re-Christianizing. The de-Christianized wow. Russia, the part that succumbed to Soviet state atheism, is responsible for her astronomically high abortion rates. The re-Christianizing Russia is responsible for her re-identifying... Also, he keeps calling Russia her, so I guess they do <laughs> understand pronouns at the American conservative. <laughs> Pretty good to hear. Um, so yeah. <laughs> for her, her re-identification with orthodoxy and the historic boom in church construction. And then he says, da, 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 da. Um, nor am I, uh, Russia is not a Christian utopia. I hope that won't come as too much of a shock for most of you. Nor am I saying that Russia will become a Christian paradise. That is up to the Russian people and God. If we're getting technical <laughs> genius, is God a technicality? <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> well, you know, the Russian people have to figure out how to re-embrace orthodoxy for themselves, but also technically, if that's not in God's plan, then it won't happen. Mic drop. Ooh, <laughs> I'm a fucking Bible genius. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Listen, will I finish more than three articles a year for the American conservative? Technically speaking, it's actually up to God what I do. So uh, you can't fire me for being lazy because it's God's will that I do it or not. And then I, I didn't even read this whole thing because honestly, he went on for so long about abortion rates that I just stopped realizing that this was an article about the Ukraine war and I forgot why I was reading it and closed the tab. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so wait, uh, yeah, I didn't actually get to this part either. His argument is that the the Western elites hate Russia because they don't, they dislike Christian Christianity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ru- Russia is Russia is bad because it's still a very atheistic country. And again, this is me speaking as the author of this article. Putin is bad, guys. I can't stress that enough. But he also represents <laughs> a force for re-Christianizing the world, which conservatives should embrace because the American Western elites, there's nothing they hate more than Christians. it's like what what group is he categorizing as western elites i feel like a lot of them are christian a lot of them are like rich christian people making donations to like 
anti-choice politicians. Like, why else is abortion illegal currently? It is incredibly unpopular to make it illegal other than among rich people with an outsized amount of power and an outsized, like, religious fanaticism. Yeah, so it's just very weird. Uh, it's a whole, it's a wholly weird argument all the way through. And I just want to let people know that if you see weird conservatives spouting off about how, like, actually the war is NATO's fault, just because they're incidentally right that one time does not mean mm-hmm. that they are reaching any kind of analysis that should ever make <laughs> you inclined to hear them out or look into what they have to say or any such nonsense. <laughs> yeah, it's like he he mentions nato once but Mm -hmm. it's like he gives it about as much time as uh, a bart simpson quote yeah and then he talks about how like russia is going to re-christianize asia for like the rest of the christianize asia and re-christianize europe i'm not really sure what he thinks the game plan is here i don't think he does either (laughs) and then uh the other interesting thing in this same vein is i was just looking up what the presidential candidates have been up to and vivek ramaswamy the weird tech uh, CEO guy has Uh said that if he were elected president, he would encourage Ukraine to make major concessions to Russia to end the war. And while that's, Hmm. again, that sounds good on its face, I can't help but think that this is coming from the same line of demented ass reasoning that we saw in the American conservative, although with maybe less of an emphasis on Christianity and more of an emphasis on like, libertarian kind of talking points where it's like, why are we spending money on war? Yeah. And and that's definitely like a, like a general, like libertarian bent of a lot of Republican politicians lately where it's like, they'll say stuff like that, but then they don't actually like spend less money. It's just kind of a way of like owning Democrats, I think, or like owning whoever's currently in power. Cause like Trump was, was like against the Iraq war when he was running for president, Mm -hmm. but he definitely did not lower any military budgets. Um, cause it's, it's really hard to imagine any, like anyone running for president who wouldn't just fall in line to the like current power structure of like the military complex and the clandestine state and stuff. So right. it feels like just a talking point. Yeah. My question is, did Vivek Ramaswamy ride a hog at the, uh, Iowa? What, what the hell was it called? Um, <laughs> the roast the and fair? ride rally. No, it's before the state fair. They had all eight oh, okay. of the GOP challengers to Trump. So Trump did not do this, but I think every other GOP <laughs> candidate did where they all went to Iowa for something called the roast and ride. And this is an okay, event. Roast and ride. Oh, it is at the Iowa state fairgrounds. I don't know if it's concurrent with the actual fair itself, um, mm-hmm. and apparently Mike Pence and all of the other candidates got on motorcycles and rode around. And then like Mike Pence also signed a Bible. And, uh, mm. it's just very funny to think of these candidates going around and, uh, trying to, trying to, you know, make hay at the Iowa state fair kind of situation when they are literally Ron DeSantis, Nikki Haley, Mike Pence. And then like, there's some <laughs> new ones. So we, we heard about Vivek. And we talked about him a little uh-huh. bit on the show, but since we talked about this, oh yeah, and Asa Hutchinson, we have had a few more announced. So Tim Scott announced, he's the South Carolina senator. Tim Scott, that's not a real name. <laughs> yeah, most made up name in the world. <laughs> May as well be Rusty Shackelford. <laughs> I gotta say, I'm a little disappointed. I'm a little disappointed because you said they rode a hog at the Iowa thing, and I was like, oh, state fair, maybe they have farm animals. Mm. Did they sit on pigs and ride them around? And that's what I was imagining, <laughs> and I was like, I can definitely see why Trump didn't do that. But motorcycles is uh, 
in its own way, equally funny that people like Ron DeSantis or Mike Pence, these like <laughs> fancy ass millionaire politicians are like, yeah, I'm actually a good old boy. I love riding my motorcycle around and I'm going to do it normally. There's nothing that I, former pharmaceutical CEO Vivek Ramaswamy, love more than to go to the Iowa State Fairgrounds and hop on a nice Harley Davidson motorcycle proudly manufactured in the United States. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah so the new candidates that we have are tim scott uh perry johnson uh who apparently ran for michigan governor in 2022 but failed to qualify for the ballot so <laughs> oh no that's wow you gotta really fuck up to like not qualify for a ballot in america you can get on ballots pretty easily it's pretty hard to win but you can just get on there yeah so uh when when he was disqualified due to signature fraud he blamed a vendor which rendered more than the seven million dollars that he loaned his own campaign so he wasted seven million dollars on his own campaign to not even get on the ballot for michigan governor real genius oh wow it was just that he 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 couldn't get enough uh signatures yeah, so I, I think 15, you, th- this guy will be someone to watch. I think he's going to be really funny in the lead up to this election. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a guy who like fucked up so bad trying to run for governor that he couldn't even not even couldn't get 15,000 votes, couldn't get 15,000 signatures of people being like, yes, this guy should be able to run. And then he's like, <laughs> all right, from there, I've, I've set my sights on another goal running for president because I did so well at this last <laughs> one. Absolutely fucking genius. And then. Another guy who seems to have the same idea, uh, Larry Elder, the former talk radio uh, conservative host, uh, tried mm-hmm. to replace California Governor Gavin Newsom in the 2021 recall effort, but that did not end up working out. I, I don't know if I think they never even had the recall election is what happened, but they okay. might have. Um, and he's like, I failed to unseat Gavin Newsom. It's time to run for president. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not really familiar with this guy, but just looking at his Google images, like mm-hmm. this, this is the face of a guy who I think could uh, make some hay on television. He has like a very like you. You can just tell from looking at his smile that his voice is like deep and uh, mm-hmm. and relaxing and like nice to listen to. And so I think just like a uh, a cool looking guy with a cool voice, people are going to be like, yeah. Yeah, he knows what he's talking about. Yeah, this is yeah. this is great. Plus, he's what? black, so it proves we're not racist. I got to go for this guy. Right, yeah, it's a big thing for the GOP to be like, what if the second black president was Republican? And uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like they even say in this article from Politico where I'm getting all these uh, these names that like he could mm-hmm. probably do pretty good on the debate stage if he can get there. Because as a, yeah. you know, decades long career in talk radio kind of guy, uh, he's probably going to be pretty witty and funny. So if there's anybody who can like, he might not even have to fake the funk when he debates Trump. Like he might actually have his own sauce, mm-hmm. which would be really interesting to see. Um, and then we yeah. also have Chris Christie has announced, which is like of so course. perplexing. Why not? <laughs> Why would why would the, the the forgotten Belushi brother ever get elected to the president in this op, in this country? It makes no sense. And then yeah, so it's it's bizarre that Chris Christie is even trying to run. Like, would you would you vote if you were a, a Republican? I know this is a big question, Chris. Try to get mm-hmm. yourself into a Republican brain. Like, you really care about how tall the grass is in front of your house. Would you ever vote for Chris Christie? <laughs> I just I I can't see it. Yeah, I feel like. I think they would maybe go for Rudy Giuliani before Chris Christie. And like, oh. he has not been very successful running for president. He just Rudy he, Giuliani he, has 
10 times the riz that we see in a Chris Christie. Yeah, absolutely. And if he can't get it done, yeah, and just there's just something about being being too specifically East Coast, I think these people <laughs> they're, they're not going to they're not going to go for it. And is Chris Christie's full name Christopher Christie because then you you got double Christ mm. in your name. I mean, you're going Christ twice. And speaking of people who were ready to go twice for Christ, the last <laughs> GOP candidate that has announced is Ryan Binkley, a Dallas okay. area businessman and non-denominational pastor who uh, w- uh, put out an opening ad promising to renew a country that is, quote, strong, unified, and reconciled to God and each other. <laughs> I, okay. I love that to him, God is not a technicality. God comes first. <laughs> uh, this is so, it's like, ooh, oh yeah, this guy has extreme, like, what'd you say, non-denominational pastor? Mm-hmm. This looks like you asked like mid-journey to generate non-denominational pastor. <laughs> I don't know what it is I, about the face. There's some kind of like weird, creepy, not quite dead eye, but kind of dead eye, like smile that pastors and church people get with they're like hey hey welcome aren't you excited to join this church and uh surrender yourself to christ there's just like something a little menacing about it like they're almost like a terminator in their uh in their devotion but they're also trying to have really good vibes so it's like this weird clash it's like this oil and vinegar mix that's threatening to separate at any moment well they're like i uh, everything has to be perfect and i have to be happy for jesus so even though i'm like putting myself under as much stress as any human being has ever endured in order to keep a smile on my face i will maintain it's like yeah it's no fucking wonder that people who get involved in these like weird cult churches have a very high rate of like secret drug and alcohol dependencies and stuff like that yeah but um also like when you look at this guys you're totally right like he, a mid-journey prompt for uh non-denominational pastor is so correct because even the way that the top button of his shirt is unbuttoned and just like the Mm -hmm. one button is kind of like still suspiciously high you can hear the christian contemporary music like you can hear the toms like and like the guy in the front who's like we put it all down for you and everything's just pentatonic there's like no indication of major or minor tonality anywhere in the song um yeah yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> dark stuff. So I'm excited to see what his campaign looks like. It should be pretty fun. As long as we're talking about um, presidential candidates, let's talk about the actual president. So there was another high-level Democratic incident involving somebody's home today. We haven't had one since the um, Paul Pelosi incident, which was really fun. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, so this is something that happened where in April... An apparently intoxicated man got inside Biden's security advisor, Jake Sullivan's home. Uh, And the Secret Service agents who were on duty did not notice that the man was in the home until he had already left because they were on their personal cell phones. (laughs) (laughs) So if... if, Uh, You gotta love it. If anybody... Can be can have the critique leveled against them that they are on their damn phones too much. <laughs> it's the Secret Service. <laughs> yeah, when you are at work and your job is stop somebody from being assassinated or harassed or kidnapped by criminals, and you're at their home and you don't notice when they notice before you because they come tell you, "Hey, a weird drunk guy came into my house and I kicked him out," <laughs> and you're like, "Oh, what shit? That's crazy." I was just uh, leveling up my night in uh, Clash of Clans. Sorry, I missed it. Yeah, I was just looking at the hot white people food posts on Weibo. (laughs) 
it's such a, it, it's like, I feel like this is at every level of, of cop. Cause I'll always see this when there's like New York city will have a lot of cops just like standing around, like guarding the subway or whatever. You'll have like two or three of them. And almost without fail, at least one of them is just like sitting there fucking diddling around on their phone. And like, there's no way mm-hmm. that they're like texting their boss or like doing something that involves being a cop. Like they're probably just playing candy crush. Every time I see them, I'm like, look at this fucking stupid dipshit with a gun standing here playing candy crush, getting paid like a hundred <laughs> grand a year. What a fucking waste of time and money. I love that. So, I mean, I, I at all levels, of- apparently you can, yeah. you can reach the point where you're a secret service agent and you're still like, yeah, I'm going to bust out the candy crush a little bit. This job's actually easy. <laughs> I could stop anything in 10 seconds. If anyone came in, Sorry, I didn't realize there was a second cat to let out. Um, <laughs> oh, all good. But uh, yeah, no, it's so funny that like you could have this high paid job. And the article says that the guys who are on duty might even like lose their security clearances. Can you imagine <laughs> working your way up to the Secret Service and like guarding the president, like guarding the Secretary of State? And then like one day you watched a 10 minute YouTube video and it ended your career. <laughs> 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 yeah, going back and like rewatching that video and being like, damn, was this really worth it? <laughs> was this this one level? Was this fucking drop in my gotcha game worth uh, risking it all for? I'm not sure. Yeah, they they released a new Pokemon Go update and it's about to have me risk it all. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's so stupid. It's so funny. Um, but as long, as long as we're talking about the government being stupid, um, oh, I should have done this during political candidates. Uh, but on the Democrat side... Uh, for apparently the last month, RFK Jr. has been doubling down on his claims that the CIA killed John F. Kennedy. So, wow, you know based. what? Critical support, RFK. I like you again now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Oh, I misread this. I thought it was saying that he was blaming his, his the CIA for his dad's death, but his uncle. So JFK. I mean, the CIA probably mm-hmm. killed uh, Robert Kennedy as well, but uh, sure. even more clearly killed JFK. There's just so much more evidence for the JFK case. I feel like when you're a yeah. guy like RFK, you kind of RFK Jr., you kind of have to pick your battles. And he's already yeah. like shown such bad judgment in trying to be like the vaccine guy, but now yeah, it's yeah. like I don't know. There's so many people out there who believe a bunch of conspiracy theories that are obviously true and they point to like perfectly legitimate evidence and then you'll be hanging out with them and they'll be like, did you know that like the US uh, replaced all the ducks with robots in all of the duck ponds across the country in 1985? (laughs) And it's like, yeah. I mean, I guess also with RFK, you have like a little bit more like, I feel like they learned from their mistakes in assassinating JFK and they're like, we should get a guy who has like more separation and we're like, look, he's from Palestine. That's who did Mm -hmm. it. Um, Rather than being (laughs) like, look, a guy who was really clearly a CIA asset did it. Why would that have been the CIA? They like, they, they try to cover their tracks a little bit more. Right. Well, it's like, I've, what was the article or maybe it was a TikTok I saw recently. Um, Apparently the guy, there was a guy who was a CIA asset for a long time and during the height of bob marley's career he like gifted him a pair of very fancy boots and one of the boots Mm -hmm. had like a copper rod in it that made that poked into marley's foot and and made his foot uncomfortable and he complained about it but he like wore the boots to because they were nice and he wanted to show them off and I, i think he was asked to wear them as well and then it was six or seven months later he develops foot cancer and it's like well you know, CIA killed Bob Marley. That's a hard maybe. That's a solid maybe right there. <laughs> I didn't know it was from Boots. I thought he like got a cut. I, I feel like I, I hear that story differently every time. I thought he like 
hurt his foot playing soccer or something and then it got infected and he got cancer or something did it start from his boots yeah i I don't know so he died from acral lentiginous melanoma Mm -hmm. um blah 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 blah. they don't give a lot of um details about it but yeah the thing i saw that was like he was given boots that made his feet uncomfortable and then he got melanoma like six or seven months later and Mm -hmm. you know what just based off what i know about the cia i believe it man i mean like the cia in their interviews with cia members they're like oh yeah the the exploding cigar and everything we don't do that anymore ha 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 and it's like it's so interesting that you said any more. <laughs> you, <laughs> yeah, you, could, whole, you could still claim to not do that. Like <laughs> <laughs> That's their whole thing. Yeah, they're like anything that happened like 20 to 30 years ago, it's, they have like a rolling policy of starting to admit it once like enough people know that it's true and there's evidence of it. They're like, mm-hmm. yeah, sure, we did that. But nowadays we do different stuff and not really anything like that at all anymore. Uh, trust us. <laughs> Hell yeah. Well, um, we've closed the book on the CIA today, so that's really good. Uh, Before we head out, I did want to ask a couple of questions about New York State and New York City, respectively. Um, Because apparently in Bedford-Stuyvesant, Brooklyn, Mm -hmm. uh, New York City health officials unveiled the very first uh, free public health vending machine in Brooklyn. So this is a vending machine that dispenses uh, test strips, naloxone, um, hygiene kits, and I believe, uh, oh, it was the Fox articles that were saying that it was filled with clean crack pipes, but I don't believe that that is actually true. <laughs> I believe that's just, oh, some, okay. oh wait, <laughs> I, I think actually, okay. So the, the hygiene kit might contain a clean, like crack pipe, but Okay, and that might be why Fox has been saying that, but and that's like an that's like an old thing, and people are like, why are crack pipes included in hygiene kits? I don't remember the exact reason, but I remember mm-hmm. being informed that there is a good reason. So take that, Fox News, suck my balls. Um, yeah. Oh shit, they have COVID tests in these. Can you just get just the COVID test? They're, those are fucking still twenty three bucks at CVS. They Maybe put COVID tests in that motherfucking. Really? That's what it says. Yeah. Hell yeah. That's pretty cool. That's fucking badass. They should put those on every goddamn block. Yeah, because like people aren't even testing for COVID. Like I, I swear, mm-hmm. my work wouldn't even have known that the people who were out sick were out sick with COVID if I hadn't called in and been like, "Hey, I tested myself. I have COVID." And they're like, <laughs> "Oh crap, we have to inform people who interacted with you." And I'm like, "Nobody else has called in sick with COVID yet." <laughs> like it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, they're just like, oh, "Yeah, I'm sick. Who knows what it could be? Probably not COVID." Yeah. Oh, yeah. Here we go. Hygiene kits, maxi pads, vitamin C, first aid, and wound kits and coronavirus tests. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this is just a bog standard good idea. <laughs> yeah. Every so often, I mean, you know, New York City is definitely bogged down by a lot of corruption and cronyism and stuff. But like compared to the rest of the US, they'll occasionally do like a sort of like normal, like vaguely social democratic, like let's spend some public money to uh, create a thing that might help vulnerable communities or mm-hmm. poor people or homeless people or whatever. It, it happened. It happens sometimes. There, there's more of it here than in most of the country, which I think is a searing indictment of the country at large, considering how much less of that kind of stuff there is here than in even social democratic countries like Sweden or Norway or whatever. Sure. Yeah. Like in Western Europe, I'm sure that this kind of thing is much more 
uh, common, mm-hmm. especially in places like the Netherlands and Portugal that have very modernized uh, drug laws. But yeah, it's interesting. It might be a factor of just like New York has like such a high level of political engagement compared to other places mm-hmm. that they might actually be compelled to respond to pressures from like activist groups, socialist parties, even like progressive, quote unquote, progressive liberal groups like the DSA. Mm-hmm. So there's probably kind of more of a there's more dynamism happening in NYC politics. So there's a lot more opportunities for stuff to kind of get experimented with. Yeah. It's like at a, at, at, I feel like at the larger level, it's like the person, like people would like to, to be mayor or governor is like, you get your very standard kind of like democratic politicians that like cater towards big business, cater towards real estate zoning and lobbies and stuff. Like definitely not super, like there's a lot of stuff that like follows the trend of like any other kind of like democratic politicians in the US but it feels like at like smaller levels there's just like a lot of uh like organizations and departments and like a standard of like public money going towards stuff that is helpful in this way and often people want to cut it like uh I think Adams has been trying to like cut or freeze the budgets of like a ton of basically every city department that's not the police and like raise the police budget so it's always a fight, I'm sure, to like actually have any of this money to like do these projects, but it is like a thing that's allocated. Whereas, like, I feel like you have a lot of countries that operate more like just a libertarian hellscape where it's like the government builds a stadium and like builds an Amazon factory, and after that, you're on your own. Yeah. I mean, that sounds about right. And it's like, I think also uh, one of the places New York is going to be able to raise funds for all of these kind of like experimental programs is from all the legal weed that they're going to be selling. So apparently your governor... Okay, also, how do you say your governor's name? Is it Kathy Hochul or Kathy Hochul? I think it's Hochul. Okay. Kathy Hochul has announced that they are going to allow legal weed sales at farmer's markets, festivals, and concerts this summer in New York. So that's going to be huge fucking news for all of the upstate Wookiee crowd. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, because we talked about this recently that there's like farmers who have been growing weed, but then like the actual rollout of stores where you can sell it is going really slowly. So they just like have extra. So just like at a farmer's market, man, there's going to, it's going to be some cheap weed. If it's just like people trying to unload it at a farmer's mm-hmm. market, competing with like kale and squash and stuff, it's going to be, that's going to be some good cheap weed, right? Hell yeah. So they said, um, pot farmers and cannabis retailers could quote unquote piggyback on an event, a concert, a festival, some other type of agricultural event. We would love for that to happen. And then during the meeting, state cannabis regulators told pot farmers and retailers they would even entertain selling weed on state property, such as the New York State Fairgrounds in Syracuse. Um, so that's really, really fucking interesting. Because yeah, I think exactly what you're saying is going to happen is like for the first few months, uh, farmers are just going to be rolling up and they're going to be like $20 ounces. Mm-hmm. Do you want one? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have this like another article that's like New York farmers with 300,000 pounds of weed fume over state slow shop rollout. Like somebody who has 300,000 pounds of weed, it is going to be priced to move. It is not going to be priced to make maximum profit. Yeah, because like people think like, you know, if you're a casual smoker, you might not think about like weed as uh, something that's uh, perishable, but it is absolutely a perishable product. Like mm-hmm. once it's been harvested and dried, unless you keep it in like a hermetically sealed temperature and humidity controlled chamber, it's only going to last like a few months before it starts to really get kind of shitty and like much lower quality, if mm-hmm. not unusable 
like if you have weed that hasn't been dried out all the way or you mm. or you put too many humidifying agents in your bag it'll get moldy and then you can't smoke it yeah yeah like and and it, even if it's like still technically usable if it, the quality is dropping then it's like you're going to be looking at even less money you can reasonably charge for it so you got to sell it while the mm-hmm. the selling's good yeah or or just process it into huge amounts of oil i can't even mm. imagine some of the strongest <laughs> concentrates in the world are about to be coming out of new york state i'm pretty sure <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's actually a pretty good idea just like sell it in bulk to like a factory that can just produce pure like thc oil or whatever it ends up as hell yeah i can't wait to can't wait to like the the whitest kids you know sketch gallon of pcp but it's a gallon of thc distillate <laughs> and they're like i didn't even know that came in a gallon and he's like yep got it right here <laughs> yeah yeah talk to me when you can just go to the grocery store and there's like canola oil vegetable oil olive oil weed oil it's all the same price packaged in the same there's like store brand <laughs> weed oil that's even cheaper and you can just have a lifetime supply of fucking THC. Doing the Pocky Weed Oil Challenge, where you have to drink a whole bottle of uh, 92% THC hot sauce. <laughs> uh, it sounds like a ton of fun. Well, anyway, I'm going to go experiment with combinations of THC and hot sauce for the rest of the afternoon and launch a successful <laughs> business in upstate New York. That sounds pretty good. Yeah, you should. You should. Do they actually make like weed infused hot sauce? Because that is a good way of like dosing it in not like not taking too much. It's like the problem with mm-hmm. gummies and like candies and brownies is like they taste good. So you want to eat more. But if it's hot sauce and you're like, OK, a little bit will do you. And then it also gets you high. And then you also get the like, I feel like you get like a little bit of a, a body high from do, eating hot sauce sometimes. So it could be like, you could be crossfaded. Yeah. Hell yeah. I want to see that on hot ones. Give, give a celebrity a fucking 99% THC <laughs> last dab. Make it a real last dab on the chicken wing, not just a dab <laughs> of hot sauce. Yeah. You have to do an enormous dab and put a huge dab of THC <laughs> hot sauce onto your THC infused chicken wing. And it's like, <laughs> Uh, Seth Rogen goes on hot ones and is just totally normal the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he he comes on and he seems stressed out and like sleepy to start the episode. And then by the time they're on the last dab, <laughs> Sean Evans is like catatonic and Seth is just like animated and talking to himself. He's like, I'm going to go to the gym later. <laughs> uh, yeah, so <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sean Evans is just like, you got... You were Donkey Kong <laughs> on the Mario? And he's like, yeah, man, thank you so much for asking that question. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then like, what, what, you can just hear like quietly while Seth is like answering the question that Sean is just like humming the, uh, the water song from, uh, from Donkey Kong country. He's just like humming that to himself off kilter. Follow up question. Is Grant Kirkhope a genius? And Seth Rogen's like, <laughs> That soundtrack was David Wise, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's probably what happened. That's probably what would happen. Well, we're going to go find out. Uh, Thank you so much for listening to BP Planets. If you want to help us out a little bit more, you can support us on Patreon. We really appreciate it when you do that because it puts money in our pockets and it lets me smoke more weed to be funnier on the show. You can listen to our other shows. Uh, Mine is Work Stoppage, Brin's is Generation Loss, and Todd has a shop. It's called Doomer.shop. And as always, we love you. Stay high. Goodbye. That's Goodbye. Goodbye.